Hello, rhetorical listeners, and welcome in to another episode of the Big Rhetorical Podcast. Before we get season two started, let me situate myself here in this chair. All right. Hello, rhetorical listeners. That's much better. How are you? I hope that your semester is off to a wonderful start and that things are going swimmingly. Do you have your schedule down? Do you know when you're eating and sleeping? Are you eating and sleeping? I think that might be the more appropriate question for some of you. Self-care. We need to practice self-care, though. Make sure that we're eating and sleeping the appropriate amount of time, but still getting our tasks done, no matter what we're doing, whether that's working on our comp exams, working on our dissertation, working towards tenure or that book project. Self-care is important. And I think that, well, I'm going to practice better self-care. I'm actually going to eat more than beef jerky during the week, I think, this semester. But it's something I struggle with, and I think it's something important to talk talk about. So I thought that would be a good way to get season two kicked off. A pledge to practice self-care more often this semester, and more often going forward. It's been a heck of a break, a winter break for me and and my studies and my wife and our family. Uh, So I'll give you a quick update. You know, I don't want to talk too much about myself. This is a space for others to talk about their work, but you might appreciate knowing a little bit about what's been going on with me. Here we go. I finished uh well we only have okay two comp exams but three uh three year projects at at the program that i'm in so i finished the second project uh for the comp exam process the year three process uh did well high scores on that it's exciting and i'm moving on now to the final comp exam which you know i i just sent off the second draft of the proposal rationale and reading list Uh, so I should hear back next week and get started on that immediately specifically uh, my comp exam is the specialization and you know I'll try to tell you what I'm doing but I'm trying to show that privacy is the logical intervention into ethical data collection digital identity formation and I'm going to do that by rewriting HIPAA for medical professionals working with in digital spaces. Uh, that's kind of the gist of it. That's my elevator spiel. It's only one sentence. It's not like five minutes. That's good. All right. In and out. So I hope to be able to do that. I've got a humongous reading list with some of your names on them, by the way. And I'm going to ha- get started on that. So wish me luck. Um, hopefully I'll be done before February 21st because then I'll be in Birmingham, Alabama for SWCA at UAB. I'm excited to be presenting with Dr. Devin Ralston of Winthrop University. Devin and I work on so many presentations together. It's time, Devin, for us to take our relationship to the next level and start thinking about that book project. No pressure. Anyway, so I'm excited about uh, presenting with Devin again. Uh, we're going to be talking about podcasting. I bet you couldn't see that coming. Uh, we're actually going to do this cool thing. I don't know uh, if I should be giving anything away, but we hoped to 
present a presentation that is embodied praxis. Let me just leave it at that. You can figure that out. You know those words and how they work and how they might work together. So I'm excited about SWCA coming up in February, but that's not the only place I'm going to be this year. Later, I'll be in Milwaukee at ATTW and at C's. I'm excited about that. I'm going to go ahead and tell you now, and I'll remind you in the weeks coming that I'm going to be walking around C's with my microphone. So if you see me, I've got a t-shirt on, chat with me. Perhaps your audio will find its way onto the Big Rhetorical Podcast. I'm sure it will because you're so smart. You're so smart. You're so brilliant. The brill from the people that listen to this podcast. No match. All right. I met in Kirikon Wobodo in 2019? No, 2018. I met her in the fall of 2018. I forgot it was 2020. In the fall of 2018, as a graduate student at Illinois State University, I was already there, but I took part in uh, the orientation process for the new graduate students. It was one of my duties as a uh, part of the writing program team, uh, administrative role, junior administrative role I held for a year. Uh, and wow, this woman is so freaking smart. I immediately noticed through our interactions and coursework, um, we had one to two courses together, that she was someone I wanted to be around, someone I wanted to know and talk to. And, and listen to her ideas. And so I'm, I'm so thankful that she accepted my invitation to join the Big Rhetorical Podcast and chat with me. And I'm excited that we are uh, revealing her episode, her chat, as the season premiere for our second season. That sounded weird. Who knows? Uh, we'll just leave it in as it is. Who knows? All right. So Enkirika joined me and we had a range of things to talk about. But what we really focused in, really the nutshell of our conversation, was about international student experiences on the job market. And so as a cishet white male, I don't have a heck of a lot of experiences. Uh, as an international student, I have no experiences as an international student, actually. And I certainly haven't felt, faced and, 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 and won't face the same, um, the same things. Uh, that that Enkirika might have faced uh, uh, based on her specific embodiment and experiences. So uh, I'm going to quit talking now, and I'm going to let you listen to this smart woman, Enkirika Wobodo. Um, yeah, I hope you enjoy. You're in Normal, Illinois now, uh, studying uh, for your master's degree at yeah. Illinois State University. Yeah. But you've been—you're not from Illinois. Absolutely. Where are you from? So I am from Nigeria. So I am from the eastern part of Nigeria. It's like it's thousands and thousands of miles away from here. Yeah. Very different, obviously. Oh, absolutely. Very, very different language, culture, weather, food, um, people. It is a different world yeah. in these places. And this is where you grew up with your mom, your dad, and your siblings, I guess. 
No, so Nigeria has different parts. So I was born in the northern part of Nigeria, though my parents are from the eastern part of Nigeria, which makes me from the eastern part of Nigeria. But I grew up in the northern part of Nigeria where um, the religion was Islam and the language was Hausa. So it was it's a different part of the country from where I'm actually from. Then I moved back to the part of my country in 2012. So that was where I stayed for maybe four years or six years before I moved to the US. So I grew up in a different part of the country than where I was from. I see. But you were, so you're in Nigeria for 20 years, I guess, until 24. 20, and <laughs> 24 and then move to Illinois, to Bloomington yeah. Normal for your master's yeah. degree. So you got your, your bachelor's education in yeah. Nigeria. Where did you do that at? So I did that at a Catholic university in Nigeria. Um, it's called Godfrey Okoye University. I did my undergrad in English and Literary Studies education, and it was a four-year course. And after that, I served my country for one year. So we have a thing where it's a national youth service. It's compulsory. You have to go for one year, you serve the country, and then you're allowed to go do other things with your life. So I'm noticing some things at work here during your, you know, experience. And that's you lived in a place with Islam, but you had a Catholic education. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How do those things work, like, against each other and together and shaping who you are? I think my background has made me this very um, encompassing person. So because I was born in a place that wasn't my part of the country, I had to embrace other cultures and other religions. So now, as I am myself today, I have friends who are Muslims, friends who are from different parts. of the, It does make me very open to other cultures. And so I'm the kind of person who I'm excited about other people's cultures. Like, oh, you're different from me. Oh, that's great. How are you different from me? I want to know how you're different from me. And I like that. I like to see different people and different cultures and things like that. So it has made me this very um, embracing person. And it has made me because I have experienced people, good people who have certain stereotypes. I know that those stereotypes are wrong. I'm like, no, this is not it. I have I have friends. They are the most amazing people you would meet on the earth. So and then I'm Catholic and my parents are very Catholic. Like if my father calls, it's like, did you go to church today? I'm like, Oh, yeah, I did. <laughs> so, like, I come from this very Catholic family. My dad wanted my sister to be a nun. We pray the rosary and things like that. But we also have friends, neighbors who are Muslims and things like that. So during Christmas, we take food to them. During um, the Salah celebration, they bring food to us. So it, made me this very, it just made me this very welcoming person, like other cultures, other religions. I'm fine. It doesn't matter. Do you think that this... Um willingness to accept and learn is this do you think what possibly drove you towards English and literature as an undergraduate yeah 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 at first I was just fascinated by reading this English books you know about the weather reading this English books and Charles Dickens um, the Great Gatsby, you know, and just experiencing this culture where they drank tea and ate bread and talked about the weather. <laughs> and, you know, it just seemed very nice. I just wanted to experience cultures through books. Yeah. And experience places through books. I mean, I have been to several places in the novels I have read. 
That's so cool. So you read the novel and then you go to the places where they. Yeah, in my head. <laughs> in your head. Yeah. <laughs> That's so great. Yeah. Is there one that uh, sticks out like your favorite of all time? Oh my god. That's such my... a loaded question. No, no, I have a favorite of all time book. It's um, The Gods of Small Things. The Gods by, of Small Things. By Aaron Dutty Roy. She's an Indian writer. I mean, that book is so many things. It will make you cry, laugh, cry again. It's it's a must read for anyone. I believe everyone should read that book. Oh, the Gods of Small Things. I'm gonna have to get my hands on it. Yeah, it's it's and it's a quick read too. I think it's about 300 pages. Uh huh. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it's it's a beautiful book. So I know that you have this foundation in literature and literature studies, but that's not what you're doing at at Illinois State. Not at all. No, no, no. Let me make sure I have this right. You correct me if I have it wrong. You have – you're working on two master's degrees? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so you're working on a master's of science in English and technical writing and composition. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, concurrently, you are working towards a master of science in technology and project management. Yeah. My first question is, how did you have time to do this interview today? <laughs> <laughs> so today, um, so this semester... I'm not taking classes in the technology department. So I'm going to take classes next semester. But I took two classes over the summer. Mm. So basically, it's have to be trying to be strategic and stuff like that. But yeah, so my master's in English was what I came to America to do. Um, When I got my visa, my I-20, I was coming to America, master's of English. Then I came here. Of course, I love the program here. But I also want something more. So... The thing with ISU is that some programs would allow you to take eight classes and get a master's in that program. Mm -hmm. And so because I have a GA in English, the GA in English will cover any class I take in any other program as long as my GA is still valid here. So the two classes I took over the summer, my GA in English paid for them. Thinking about the money here. <laughs> <laughs> so my my two classes, my GA in English, different because our GA covers um up to twelve credit hours, up to nine credit hours over the summer. Yeah. Okay. So now this semester I'm not taking any classes in English in um, project management because I'm trying to finish well in English. I don't want to you know do too many things at the same time. I'm not doing it right. But next semester I will take two classes in in project management. And then I'll have four classes to go. And I may just take that over the summer. So it's just spreading it out <laughs> around. What sort of overlap between the two programs have, have you fashioned? Certainly there has to be some. Oh, yeah, there are. So the classes I took over the summer was one in STEM classes, was a class that's talking about STEM education. So my background in teaching here in the English department kind of gave me more um, insight into that class and talking about how students learn, basically thinking about how students can learn and things like that. And again, one of the sequence in project management has to do with um, training module. So creating documents for training people, which ties in very well with technical writing. Mm And basically, when you're handling project, which is what the program I'm in is about, handling project is about communicating efficiently to people. 
So maybe you're trying to, if you're handling a project, how do you, the work breakdown structure? So all this ties down to communications, which is an edge I have already because I already have my communication thing checked with my English degree. So I'm able to transfer that antecedent knowledge into project management. Smart. <laughs> to make these connections oh yeah i have to. yeah because um even when you um trying to talk to a person like you say okay what is the connection between project management and english and people may not see it at first because you'll be like okay this is technology and this is english technology humanities but if you are in the program and you have my background and then you see how you're making this transfers in it just it overlaps it absolutely overlaps this sort of overlap and this getting multiple degrees, um, how are you thinking about the work that you're doing and then also going on the job market, which I know is something that you're <laughs> doing right now? Yeah, uh, so I'm on the job market now, not as not looking for a job. I'm looking for an internship. So all the jobs I have, all the interviews I've had are for internship positions because I don't want to activate my OPT yet. What so, does that mean? So optional practical training. So if you're an international student who comes to the U.S., um, after your program, you get something called an OPT. Depending on your pro- Everybody gets an OPT, but depending on your program, the length. So if you are, if you maybe you do something in IT, you get one year of OPT and two years of STEM, which gives you three years to work in the U.S. Okay. But if you do something in English only, or let's say um, economics, or let's say political science, you get just the one year of OPT. Okay. And then you have just one year to work in the U.S. And then if in that one year your company does not file for you the H-1B visa, which is the working visa, then you will have to leave the U.S. But the other person who did something in IT gets three years to work in the U.S. because of the differences in the programs. So STEM is um, science, technology, engineering, and mathematics classes. So because I don't want to activate that until I'm done with my technology degree, which would give me the three years. Okay. (laughs) So I'm trying to get an internship in technical writing, which ties very closely because most of the time in the job descriptions, they just want a person who can write efficiently and who can work on multiple projects at the same time. So basically, they ask you questions like, how good are you with ambiguity? Um, what is your nature to diversity and inclusion? Um, so how are you a team player? So these are the things like they want to ask you, and then they want to know if you have basic technology skills. Um, what's your Microsoft, they use technical words to confuse you. Um, yeah. Do you know G Suite, which is basically Google, uh, Google Doc, Drive, and things like that, uh, Microsoft Suite? Basically, PowerPoint, Microsoft Project, and things like that. So, it's and in English, which is what we do, we'll, we'll use this technical this tools and in, in every day. So yeah. Okay, so let's 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 hash a little bit of this out because it sounds <laughs> confusing and complicated and complex, right? <laughs> a little so, bit. Okay, so my question is, when you initially decided to come study at Illinois State, mm-hmm. was that when you made this decision? in terms of your OPTX to do the technology degree, or was this a working decision that you made? No. So the thing is, most I didn't know. Most students knew. But when you come here and then you start having conversations with other international students who have been here before you, 
Then they begin to tell you, so, oh, what are your plans? Do you want to do a PhD? Do you want to go back when you're done? So what are your plans? So if you, if I wanted to do a PhD, I wouldn't have bothered about this. If I was sure I wanted to do a PhD, I wouldn't have bothered about doing a second program. I would have just finished with my first degree, my, my first master's, and then went ahead and done a PhD. Because I'm not exactly sure I want to do a PhD yet. Okay. So that's why I'm creating this option for myself. I may just decide that tomorrow I want to do a PhD. And I'm, I'm, on a master. I'm done with both masters. I go ahead and start a PhD. But most international students don't come here knowing. They come here and then they talk to other people who have been here before them. Because we, um, I know for sure the African students here, we have like a very close community. Uh-huh. We have like a whole group chat. So we have like people who have been here before us who have led them like, okay, this was what we did. This was how we did it. You may want to go through this part. You may not want to do these and things like that. How helpful has that space been? I mean, I imagine. Oh, it is so helpful. <laughs> we we have like a whole um, community. So we have like, because um, we have a whole African group students. We have a whole chat. And then we have like the different countries have their own chat. So... <laughs> <laughs> so yeah we have like the nigerian group chat we have like the ghana group chat we have like east africans they have their own group chat so and then we have like this um, party we have every semester so we have like this welcome party for the new guys who come in every yes. semester yeah we do that and then we have like you know because so, so we know each other so that way we can seek advice from each other very cool very yeah. cool so I know that just from knowing you a bit that getting the visa uh, to get <laughs> here was a heck of a heck of a journey for you. Yeah, it was. Oh, and mine wasn't even that bad. I had a friend who went to the embassy seven times. <laughs> yeah. How many times did you have to go? I went there um, officially. I went there twice, okay. but I went there three times. Okay. Yeah. So. You got here, you've got your two master's degrees going on. Perhaps you could talk a bit about the work you're doing towards that master's of science in technical writing and composition. What are you studying within those disciplines? Oh, oh my God, technical writing is so amazing. I love technical writing so much. Did you know that you loved it before you came to America? No, I did not. (laughs) No, I did not even know I was doing technical writing before I came to America. So, um, Basically, for my technical writing degree, I'm doing a professional portfolio, so I'm creating a website. Okay. And which is what I love about the program is that I have gained skills that I can rub off in my colleagues' face in IT. Like, I can code in HTML and CSS. I'm like, Eon, this is not rocket science. I learned this in my English class. <laughs> okay. So you're doing the professional portfolio, and that's yeah. an option instead of a thesis, I'm guessing? Yes. Okay. Yeah, so um, so I'm creating a professional portfolio, and I have, so that means I have to create a website to showcase some artifacts, and that the whole process of even coding a website itself just excites me. I know it's going to be a lot of work, but I'm excited by it. I can't wait to show it off. And so basically, what for one of my classes, um, we edited the department's um, emergency response plan. So there was already one um, in existence at the department here, ISU English, okay. and me and my team, we edited it. So we, you know, worked on it, and I have put that on my resume. And recently I had a job interview, and when they asked me about a writing project I had done, I talked about that project. 
and they were excited by it. So it's just that the program gives you practical skills. I've learned Photoshop skills from taking classes in technical writing. I have learned how to create visuals on Microsoft Word. I did not know where it was possible before. I can do shit on PowerPoint. I did not know I could do before, like creating visuals and making exciting slides on PowerPoint. I can code in HTML and CSS. I've created infographics in my technical writing classes. And so like what excited that it gives you practical skills, skills that you can actually do stuff with that I am not um scared of and like I can write memos in my sleep <laughs> 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 technical writing classes. Like I would left justify that shit. Like do not get on my nerves. <laughs> so it's just that the class just gives you like if I know anyone trying to come to IS thinking of a program, like just go take take a class in technical writing. You will not regret it. Like it just gives you practical, practical skills. Like what can you do? I can edit that picture and make it look better. Do it. I will do it in front of you. And Is then you learn to code. Yeah, we learned to code in one of my classes too, and HTML and CSS. And at first, I was terrified by it, but I was like, those guys in IT, they don't have two heads. <laughs> they just make themselves look smart and they carry their bags all the time. Like, yeah. So it was, and for one of our classes, at the end of the class, we had to code a website for a client. Okay. So it, and then it has um, really affected the way I see social media spaces and visual rhetoric. And like, I am looking at everything. I'm like, oh, this, this website, when I look at the website, I'm like, this website is not accessible. <laughs> That's the first thing that comes to my mind. Who is this website living out? Who is this website catering to? Oh my God, this color is not good. Like I am editing every visual piece I see everywhere. And I'm like, no, no. They could have done this better. This interface is not good. <laughs> so, oh gosh, I, I I spend more time judging the interfaces that I and interact with than I, actually why doing. Why do I have anything. to scroll down to find this information? No, this is wrong. <laughs> but you know what? I think that you're kind of encapsulating in in, in this in the in what you're saying here is that we get the pragmatism certainly out mm-hmm. of out of technical writing and both as like a, a, a theory or as a pedagogical, you know, application, but also we get the cultural studies part too yeah, that's of it. technical writing. Yeah. And that's what I love about it is that what, that's what differentiates us from the people in, let's say in IT where they just get it pragmatism and they just like, you just code yeah. the website, but we are coding websites and we're thinking who, do, who are we, are we enabling anyone and not enabling anyone? Who are we leaving out with this? So we are being human with the technical documents we are creating, which is what I just love about the program here. And then for my um, thesis portfolio, I'm creating something that has to do with um, end user. And okay. I'm looking out, you know, in communicating RICs, do technical documents really communicate RICs? So do they like leave it down at the terms and condition where they know you would not read it properly and stuff like that? And then you just click on it and they're like, okay, and you probably signed your debt waiver and things like that. So, yeah, I'm really excited about the work I do here in Technical Writing, the program. I'm excited about the work you're doing, too. <laughs> I, I didn't know a whole lot about it. It sounds like we have some some similar interests, too, there. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I wonder, Inkirika, as you are on the job market and, and looking for internships and things like that, and, and this might be – this is a loaded question, again, a complex question, I'm sure. Oh, but, fine. but what kind of – of um, hurdles, for lack of a better word, have you discovered as an international student applying for jobs? 
I will tell you the hurdle I have today. (laughs) Say that again. I will tell you the hurdle I have today. Okay. I applied to an internship position to a company and then they reviewed my resume and then they're going to call me today. However, she has already said before she calls me that this position requires U.S. citizenship. You don't have U.S. citizenship. No, I don't. But it's an internship. Okay. And in my head, I'm like, so why is she still calling me? Why does she want to waste my time? Okay. Obviously, there's nothing. There's no. No matter how well I perform on that interview, chances are I will not get the job. Right. Yeah. So um, I was at a conference um last week in California because um it was the Society for Women Engineers, and I went there because I knew lots of companies were going to be there. So it was an opportunity, you know, just go there and speak to the recruiters, sell yourself and things like that. So I went to um, this com- a company too. And then we had this beautiful conversation with this lady. And she was like, oh my God, I like you, blah, 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 blah. Oh, great. Hire me, all right. And she's like, um, do you require sponsorship? So when they said, do you require sponsorship, they asked and they want to know if you're a U.S. citizen or not. I'm like, oh no, I don't. This is an internship. I, I'm looking for an internship, not a full-time position. She's like, well... Would like to transfer our interns into our full-time positions, so we're sorry and all that. So you always have those high moments with um, <clears throat> recruiters, and then they talk to you. They're really excited about working with you, and then you're not a citizen. Then that's one thing that goes wrong there. And then the hours you can work, so off campus. So right now, I cannot work off campus. Right. Yeah. So um, so even when I get some, so one time this recruiter reached out to me for a position a three-month contract position, a technical writing position with a company here in Bloomington Normal. You may know the company, one of the big people here. <laughs> one of the two big people. Yeah, here. one of the two big people. <laughs> the ones which color is ISU's color. <laughs> and I could not take their position because, you know, the hours, I couldn't work the hours and things like that. So it's the um, not being a citizen is one issue. But I... I don't fault the companies. It's not their fault. It's a government policy. And filing those um, visas are quite expensive. Right. Yeah, so, so, yeah, I cannot, you know, get angry at the companies and complain about it. It's their policy. They're sorry they can't do it. So, is this a policy? Let, let's, let's, we'll, let's get to the time commitment thing in a minute. But let, let's focus first on this, this idea that you're, that, that you're presenting about uh, not having citizenship keeping you from these certain opportunities. Yeah. Um, the way that you're seeing that, do you, and describing it as a, a governmental policy issue, to me that makes it an institutional issue. Yeah, it is an institutional issue because um, some companies would hire you, other companies won't. But right. those companies that would hire you can afford to file for you the H-1B visa. The other companies that won't hire you probably can obviously cannot afford to file the H-1B visa. And again, it's always easier to hire an American who you don't have to file the visa for than hire an international. And so maybe usually happens like this. Um, the American may just have um, basic knowledge, but international could be vast in the, in the field and stuff. But you can train the American. So it's easier to hire and train the American that you know you don't have to file for and things like that. So it's it's the it's the money that comes into filing the visa, and then companies just don't want to take that risk and things like that. 
how much how much does that is it based on the company the person is that a crazy question for me to even ask i don't know how much but i know it's expensive um so you have that's why people want to work with big companies like this big search engines yeah and um people will use their uh, suits on campus because they will definitely file for it they can afford so they don't even ask you that question they just you're good at it but they're they mostly hire people in the it field so like those those people with those big search engines and things like that they don't even ask you the question it's not a thing for them because they file for you how do we as institutions localized institutions universal institutions how do we fix this problem i sh- i don't think <laughs> <laughs> i don't think um i i don't think it's uh i don't know i don't know really i, I mean, mean of the of the questions i've asked that's the most <laughs> complex for sure I, I don't know because um i i'm very grateful for the opportunities i have in america I, I am not going to even front or try to, you know, play devil's advocate here. Yeah. I came to this country. I have um, tuition waiver to do a first master's. I get a stipend every month. I'm getting amazing education, mm-hmm. amazing job experience that I'm putting on my resume. And I know that I'm going to get a job with that company who wants to file for um, an international student. So, I mean, I, I am grateful for what I have here and I cannot, I cannot complain. So how can it be fixed? I I don't know. The system is the system is the way it is. So you have to find your way and walk around it, I guess. Yeah, it sounds yeah. like there's a, a a much longer path for for someone like you than opposed to someone like me, and that seems a little unfair. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because um, so um, I don't know if um Trump had earlier this year proposed a new immigration policy that had said that um people who study here he said he was going to stop calling it the green card but it was going to be called the is it the make america great card or the build america card that sounds right (laughs) yeah and he had proposed that and talked about how you know if people study here and they get job offers and things like that, they get to stay here and things like that. But then um, people, when I followed the story, talked about how it was going to, you know, discriminate certain kinds of immigrants and right. things like that. So it wasn't all encompassing and all embracing. So so there are lots of um, dialogue around immigration and hiring internationals and things like that. So it's it's a long way to go. <laughs> well, you know, I think it's interesting. You're pointing out you're pointing out some really important things about our current administration and um Im- and their role in immigration. And it sounds like what we're what they're talking about is um, a rewarding someone for the skills that they might have. Yeah, right? yeah. So that was what that system was about. That that. It was going to. It was about. Um, you can find a video somewhere. We talked about the points-based immigration system, wow. and where um, you would get certain points for certain qualifications and things like that. And so that was that was going to favor certain immigrants, but it was also going to leave out certain kinds of immigrants. So you know, who? How do you value what a person is going to bring to your country based on their paperwork and things like that? That's that's another podcast for another <laughs> day, isn't it? <laughs> Absolutely. So, Absolutely. go ahead. 
Yeah, I was just like, absolutely, because you know the immigration conversation is it's it's intense. Yeah, really. I, I mean, um, it's easy for me to say, yeah, it really is intense when I hold citizenship. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. I can only imagine. Have, have there ever have there been immigration issues throughout your with you personally throughout your experience here? Oh, um, sort of. So, um, I am having to register for another class for the spring semester to be in status for my uh-huh. visa. So, and I had to go get um, a new I twenty because my former I twenty had said. Had, was going to expire before the end of the semester. And once my I-20 expires, I can't work on campus. I can't work anymore because I'll be out of status. So I was issued a new I-20 recently so that I could work till the end of the semester. So there's no immigration issues possible. They just little tweaks that reminds that, oh shit, yeah, I forgot. <laughs> I'm an immigrant. <laughs> oh. So what are your plans for the job market? Like, what do you want to do? I want to work as a technical writer. And that's the thing I'm excited about is that when I get interviews and I get interviews from some companies, so there was this one company I interviewed with, they're a car company. They are the guys who make, um, what's the kind of car they make now? The cars, uh, oh fuck, I, I, I interviewed with them. <laughs> well, they didn't give me the job, I was pissed. <laughs> <laughs> Their cars suck anyway. <laughs> no, it doesn't, they make oh, no. <laughs> they they make um electronic cars, the cars that run on um I'm sure you know them they're quite like, soft. Yes. Yes. I didn't want to call your name. We don't want to give them advertising for free. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to do some sly editing in this yeah. part of the podcast. So um I interviewed with and it was an amazing if I had gotten that internet that was it would have been an amazing because I would have been having knowledge about their cars and how to run diagnostics and write about them so i get excited when the field is about is about writing for different fields so i'm excited about the idea of learning things about other fields just by writing documents for those fields so i have interviewed with um i recently interviewed i interviewed with they are here and um you're gonna edit these names out right yeah i will i interviewed with and um, I recently interviewed with. Oh, cool. Yeah. So, um, so is this look at it? So, as a technical writer, I just made me realize I could work for any company because these are different companies asking for a technical writer. So, and I there's a position I'm applying for. I'm going to apply for for. They need a technical writer too. So you're mobile. You're ready to move around the country. Anywhere, even Alaska, I'm going to go. <laughs> no, no, that's that's colder than <laughs> Illinois. <laughs> More money there. Yeah. I'm going to go. <laughs> Who cares about it? So before we before we get out of here, I want to ask you about a couple things. Okay. What is the Leela Weingarner Fellow, 2019? Oh. You okay. are one. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so the Leila Wangana Fellowship is given to international students for to do research back in their home country, and um, so they it's from ISU, okay, and it's given every fall. 
and the money vary every year, but this, there's a monetary reward to it. Um, so this year I applied. Last year I was going to apply, but out last year I had just come to IRC. I was to getting things figured out. I didn't know who people should recommend me yet and stuff like that. So this year you had to write three essays, um, academic achievements, financial need, and career path. So write three essays and then you submit it and then they get back to you. So it's really exciting um, that I have that on my resume. It's Congratulations. That's really exciting. <laughs> yeah, it's really exciting for me. And and I've come to the there are lots of scholarships on campus, just that people don't know about them to apply for them. I am of the position that you have to apply for everything that you can. Oh, yeah. I have recently gotten that i'm like oh they're giving money okay <laughs> and that's what, that <laughs> what scares people I'm like oh it doesn't want something like oh it doesn't want that is fine i can do that in my sleep i'm english <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, you mean so, they're gonna give money fine let's get the money i know that that's an, an, an institutional recognition from isu that fellowship that's that's amazing and congratulations Thank but you me. also were named a forbes 30 under 30 scholar yeah this year. yeah what does that mean was your picture in a magazine oh yeah we had like a whole um the communication department did like a whole news um thing about that yeah that's cool tell yeah. me a little bit more about that how did that come to happen and, and et cetera so the Forbes 30 under 30 scholar, I had to apply for it. So you had to, um, um, so you had to write essays too. It's all about essays. <laughs> essay writing pro, I guess. <laughs> um, write essays and put your GP and then you get contacted and things like that. So um, basically it was a, a conference in Detroit. They had young people, selected young people come together and just talk about innovation. Serena Williams was there. Nomani was there. Just listen to people talk and inspiration and things like that. That's so cool. Yeah, I know. That's such a cool recognition for you and your future. And, and, and you know, hey, a little exposure for ISU is never a bad thing. Yeah, we had three people from here who went. No, more than three of us from here who went. But three of the girls who went, including myself, were from my country. Yeah. So three of us we had who, who were selected to be on the... Um, Forbes 30 and 30 scholar. That's so cool. Well, congratulations on those a- achievements. Thank you very much. Is there anything else we should talk about before you uh, get out there to enjoy your Friday afternoon? Anything else you want to mention? Hmm, I don't know. Um, ISU isn't. I don't know. I like ISU. I'm not going to front about it. I, I maybe I like ISU because I like the department. Yeah. So that is it. I like the department. <laughs> We have some really, really amazing technical, professional communicators, rhetoricians in this department, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I I like the department, and they are allies. Yes, agree. And Kirika, thank you so much for chatting with me today. (laughs) I hope you stay warm. I'm going to stay warm. You know that for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. All right. Have a good day. You too. Have a great day. Bye. Bye. Okay, I hope you enjoyed my chat with Nkirka and want to thank her for joining me on the podcast and talking about her experiences as an international student on the job market.
perhaps you'd like to join me for an episode of the Big Rhetorical Podcast. We are currently booking for spring and fall of next year, whichever one might work for your busy schedule. Reach out to us at thebigrhetorical at gmail.com or check out our website, thebigrhetoricalpodcast.weebly.com. We look forward to hearing from you. Now, as you settle into the semester, make sure that you uh, set aside a little time at the beginning of the week, perhaps Mondays and Tuesdays, to give us a listen. You can listen to the Big Rhetorical Podcast wherever you get podcasts, but I might mention that we are hosted on anchor.fm. Well, that about does it for me. The snow is settling in here in central Illinois for the weekend, and so I'll be dealing with that. hope the Weather is better wherever you are. So until next time, be kind to one another and always be listening rhetorically. <laughs>